extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of all the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. And let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. And then to Luke chapter 2. We pick up with verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, 
worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, as you can hear from my voice, the last couple of weeks have been uh, a bit of a challenge as uh, Karen and I have tried to rest and uh, get better and, and improve, and, and it seems like we make a, uh, you know, like a step forward and a couple steps back, and maybe then a couple steps forward and just one step back, and it's been a, been a real, real struggle. And it's so easy when you have a couple of weeks where you're dealing with a cold and you're not... You know, you're not so sick that you're completely debilitated, but you just feel poorly. Uh, and, uh, and it's just so easy when you, you want to be out with friends and, and going out and doing things, and you're kind of stuck at home uh, to kind of get a little dep- down and depressed and discouraged. Has anybody ever had that happen to you? You know, I, I'm probably the only person here that ever gets depressed and discouraged from time to time, right? You know, I, I, I know I, I'm kind of unusual that way. I'm sorry. Uh, I, and, I, you know, and I'm sorry, you know, to, to so disappoint those of you that would like uh, a pastor who's like Jesus Jr., uh, you know, walking in perfection, going from glory to glory and mountain to mountain. Uh, you know, the people that, that talk like that all the time, you know what, they make me sick. You know, just like, ah, it's not real life, you know. And real life is that it's a lot of times it's a struggle. And, and so you begin to look back in this last year, 2016, uh, honestly, it's been a strange year. I don't know if it's been strange for you, but it's certainly been strange for me here in 2016. And uh, uh, there have been some good things in 2016. My book was published this year, uh, this past year, and uh, the DVD course and everything, and that, that was really good and, you know, happy about that. I had a bit of a sabbatical. Uh, that was kind of nice, you know, so good things like that happened. The Lord spoke some very powerful words. But also, man, it was just an emotionally difficult year saying goodbye to people that we love, you know, very, very deeply, uh, some willingly, some not so willingly, uh, just really struggling in all of that, a lot of down times, a lot of fighting, uh, getting really close in terms of the building, but then having wrestling, trying to get that last breakthrough there uh, to kick it into touch, to, to keep it going. Uh, and just all these kinds of struggles and the wrestling and, and the cold. And, and it's very easy to begin to look at your life and begin to evaluate your life and begin to evaluate your year on the basis of feeling poorly, feeling depressed, and all the bad things that happen. Because that is the tendency for all of us. And, and it's true for every human being, by the way. Uh, so it doesn't matter what culture you're part of. Uh, it's true for every human being. Our tendency is to look at the negative things and to see our circumstances and view our lives from the standpoint of the negative things that happen. From the standpoint of the things that don't work out quite so well. From the things that don't go quite so well. And it's easy for us to get mired in the junk And you know, from time to time, we all have struggles in our Christian life. We all have down times in our Christian life. Things when it's hard to pray, it's hard to read the Bible, uh, when we would rather watch television uh, than watch for the salvation of the Lord. 
uh, when we would rather just lie in bed and have a nice cup of coffee and read a newspaper on Sunday morning rather than get up and come to church and have to deal with all the people around you that sometimes you don't like and, and all, you know, all this stuff that goes on. And it's really easy for all of that to cloud our minds and to color our reality. And if it does, if we allow that to persist, if we allow that to, to persevere, it will change the whole direction and focus of our lives. It will change the whole direction and focus of our lives to the point where we can begin to think that the down times are the normal times, that the relationship breakdowns uh, are, the dif- are the difficulties, are the reality, that the faithful friends are few, and that the goodness of God is far away. And so in times like that, it's absolutely essential to remember what we have been talking about the last several, the last several months. Uh, and, uh, and we've said, the title of this whole series has been, Rejoice, the Lord is Good. And that's what we've seen. We've seen that the Lord is good. In the fundamental aspect of His character, His nature is goodness. We can say the Lord is love, the Lord is holy, but the Lord is also good, and His goodness never changes. And the Lord does good. And the Lord gives good. And the Lord plans or superintends good in our lives. And God prepares us for good. And God gives us His good spirit. And God has given us good news to share. And the goodness of the Lord God has created uh, this creation as good for us to experience uh, His goodness out of. The Lord is good all of the time. And that's a cliche, but it's absolutely true. And it's absolutely essential that we remember the goodness of the Lord, especially when times get difficult. Because the difficulties do not define us. God's goodness is what defines us. And whether we will choose to believe in the goodness of God in the midst of the difficulties makes all the difference for our lives. It's very easy to go back and look at the last year and say it was a failure, it was too difficult, it wasn't really good. But actually, when we remember the goodness of the Lord and we begin to seek for it and we begin to look, we will see goodness all around us all the time. And we will begin to see that goodness actually defines us more than that which is not so good. Let me give an example. Uh, A few months ago, we had somebody uh, leave the staff in a very painful way. Uh, Those of you who have been around know that. Those of you who haven't been around, well, that's all you need to know about it. And we had somebody leave in a very painful way. And we were at, at a church meeting and somebody made a comment and says, well, you know, it seems like that happens all the time. You know, it seems like City Temple has just got a history of people leaving poorly, uh, you know, one person after another after another. And, I, and at first, I mean, I'm, I'm there and I'm leading the meeting. I'm thinking, well, you know, that's kind of true. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm thinking of all the people that left poorly over the years. And this really troubled me. So I really looked into it and I explored it a little bit. And I thought, well, maybe there's a spiritual reality about it. So I started doing some research. And I went to the internet, and I'm looking up about people leaving well and not leaving well. Uh, And where I began to 
to start changing. One day, Karen and I are walking, and we said, okay, let's test this. Let's test the theory that people don't leave well at City Temple. And we began to look over 15 years and think of all the people that left, some who left well on good terms uh, in the proper way, those who didn't leave well. And as we began to list the people on both sides of the equation, we discovered that the list of people who left well is bigger than the list of people who didn't leave well. Now that's encouraging. So we're better than 500, okay? More people leave well than don't leave well. So then I did some research on it. And guess what? The best businesses and the best churches in the world don't bat better than 500. In other words, what the research showed me is that in the majority of businesses in the world and in a majority of churches in the world, when people leave, they don't leave well. It's a majority. It's a majority. It is such a problem that it's noted in both secular literature and and church literature. This is a big problem. So, in other words, most businesses have a track record of most people leaving poorly and, and few people leaving well. Well, now, when you compare that then with our experience at City Temple, we have a majority of people who leave well. Which means we do better than most people do. How about that? And it completely shifted my focus. And that's the kind of attitude that we have to have. We need to start testing things. We need to start exploring things. We need to start checking out reality. Because when we do, when we really dig down deep, And when we really apply a fair standard, we will see that God is good all the time. And God has a great salvation for us. That's the whole story here. Here's Simeon. He's in the temple. And he's waiting. He's waiting for the revelation of the Lord. And he's been looking because God has promised him that he would have he would see the Lord's salvation before he dies. So he's hanging out. And he says, Oy vey, now I can die in peace because I have seen your salvation. And then he goes on and he says, Hey, but by the way, uh, this child will be for the falling and rising of many. And oh, by the way, Mary a sword is going to pierce your own heart also in all of this. So what is he saying? Does this this invalidate the goodness of the Lord? Not at all. The difficult times don't prove that God is not good. God tells us to expect the difficult times to come. He tells us to expect the difficult times to happen. She's perfectly fine. I love that attitude, by the way, folks. Uh, And if any of you adults want to do that, I'm here. I'm here. I'm just saying. Here comes Fadi. No, he started, but he he changed his mind. Okay. Uh, I love that, by the way. I I love it when kids play and horse around. 
And, and that's perfectly okay. And if you can't pay attention to me, pay attention to the kids. Because the kids prophesy things. They prophesy things. And the fun-loving behavior of children prophesies something that's important for us as adults. God is good. God is good. And that's what Simeon's declaring. He's saying that God is good. And in the psalm that we read today, we celebrate the goodness of the Lord. I mean, our responsibility here, this is a great psalm of praise, and our responsibility is to sing these songs of praise and to celebrate the goodness of the Lord so that we tell the goodness of the Lord to the next generation. We want our kids and our grandchildren to grow up and know that God is good all the time. And know that they can trust in God's goodness. That they can have faith in God's goodness. That they can expect God's goodness. They can look for God's goodness. They can know that God will prepare them for His goodness. Sometimes, which is pretty difficult, because it, after all, it involves discipline. You know, parents, when you, when you discipline your children, what are you doing? You're preparing them for goodness later in their lives. They don't like it. But that's what's happening. You're preparing them for goodness in their lives. And that's what God does when He disciplines us. He's preparing us for goodness in our lives. And that's what the psalm is celebrating. It's celebrating the goodness of God's salvation and says that ultimately, all who seek the Lord will find Him if you seek Him in truth. If you seek Him in truth. That means you can't make up who God is. You can't decide the God that you're going to worship. You can't decide what characteristics of God that you're going to like and what characteristics of God that you don't like. You know, like most of us really like the idea of God's love, but we don't like the idea of God's anger. But let me tell you, if God doesn't get angry, God doesn't really love Let me tell you, I'm an imperfect man. But if somebody disrespects or dishonors my wife, I will get angry. I guarantee you, it's one of the few times you will really genuinely see me angry. And I'm kind of like the Hulk, you know, you don't want to see me angry. Uh, Why is that? It's because I love my wife. I don't like people to dishonor my wife. That's why you've got to be careful what you say about the church. You know, there's a lot of people who make a habit today of dishonoring the church. And you know what? It makes Jesus angry. Why does it make Jesus angry? Because he loves the church. Because we are his bride. Now I tell you, close unto dishonoring my wife is to point out to me all my wife's faults. Do you know what? That will make me angry. And guess what? I know my wife's faults. You can probably tell me a fault that I already know. You probably can't tell me a fault that I don't know. But even if you come up to me and start pointing out the faults of my wife, and even though I might agree with you 100% that that's a fault, you know what? It's going to make me angry. Because I love my wife. And God's love necessitates God's anger. Because if God doesn't have anger, he doesn't have love. But God's anger, unlike human anger, is always perfect and always perfectly expressed. And that's the difference. 
God never sins in his anger. God never sins when he gets angry. And so that's what the psalmist means, that if you want to seek the Lord, you will find the Lord. As long as you seek him, you call on him in truth. You've got to know who God is, and you've got to really want to know him in all of his fullness. And in the same way, it says that God satisfies the desire of every living thing. But by desire, he's talking about the deepest longings that are within us. He's not talking about all the whims that come at us on a day-by-day basis. I might be walking down the street, and I'll walk by three or four different bakeries, and I tell you, my eyes will be filled with desire for a lot of things in those bakeries, because I have a a penchant for baked stuff. But that doesn't mean that it's good for me to go after every one of those things that my eyes light up about. You know, it's only the deepest longings that God begins to fulfill, but he does that because he is good. He is good. And that's the whole purpose of his salvation in Jesus Christ. You see, all the goodness that God had given us, had put into us, was corrupted in sin. And so God sent his Son to become like one of us so he could lead a sinless life with uncorrupted goodness and then out of that goodness die on the cross for us as a sacrifice for our sins, paying the price so that we could be restored to relationship with God our Father as our Heavenly Father. We could be enfolded into the family of God. We could have a new life and a new identity and that we could experience the goodness of God in all its fullness. And that's why that Jesus came as a baby in a manger and lived our life to show us how it's done. And through faith in Jesus, we enter this good salvation of God by turning away from that which God has said is not good and turning to that which God has said is good. By believing that God's kingdom, His loving rulership is here right now. And believing that through Jesus Christ and His death and resurrection, we can enter that kingdom, we can receive that new identity. We experience God's good salvation And that's God's purpose for us and his desire for us as we go into this new year. I've been a bit rambling today, but the thrust is this. 2017 is going to be a year filled with God's goodness. I believe that Many of us are going to see a manifestation of the goodness of the Lord greater than any we have ever seen. I believe in 2017 we are going to see a revelation of God and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that will literally shift reality in the world. And I believe that almost everything that God has done in our lives, in this church, in your life, and certainly in mine, has been a preparation for what God wants to reveal this year in us.
Let's look for it. Let's pray it. Pray for it. Let's long for it. And let's believe for it. For it is coming. And Jesus is the guarantee. Jesus is the guarantee. And He's here with us now. Let's pray. I believe that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, great God. I believe that we will see your goodness and mercy poured out upon us. I believe, O oh God, that you have prepared us for such a time as this. And you have many things for us. And I trust in you, in your goodness. Even though my experience might be different, even though my temporary circumstances might not be everything that I would hope, I believe that I will see your goodness. Oh God, we love you, we worship you, we exalt you, we honor you. We thank you. Now Father, I pray that you'd bless this bread and this cup, that they would be for us truly the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ broken and shed on the cross. Use them to remind us of your great goodness, to restore us in the knowledge of your goodness, and to reveal yourself to us as a good, good God in our hearts and minds and spirits yet again. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, Amen. I'd like to uh, ask uh, Fadi, would you come up and open?